Hi everyone, and welcome to Autism Office Hours. This is Debbie Montana. I'm so excited and honored to be here as your facilitator of today's webcast. This webcast is entitled, Siblings, COVID and Autism, Finding a Balance. Being a supportive sibling can be challenging, but it can also create memories of happy moments for families of children with autism. In fact, when I reached out to the community, not all the feedback I received with regard to this webcast was negative. One parent reached out and confirmed that her child's sibling without autism had done really well in stepping up to help when help was needed. However, we do know that during this time of COVID, it has made things challenging uh, and siblings can experience a range of problematic issues. So what can we do to support our children? Joining me today is an amazing group of professionals and they are as follows. My Autism Office Hours colleague, family leader, advocate and senior program therapist of the autism programs, Jamie Swalby, psychologist, BCBA and lecturer at the UNM College of Education, Dr. Megan Martins, a family leader, advocate, and coordinator of recreational services at the autism programs, Mariah Montoya, and a previous graduate of Partners in Policymaking, a UNM occupational therapy graduate student, and a family leader and advocate, Maria, Marissa Swalby. Let us begin by having each of you kindly take a moment to introduce yourselves. Hello, everybody. My name is Jamie Swalby, and I work at the CDD as a senior program therapist. Uh, I am a special ed teacher. Um, that's my, my background. And I'm also the mom of an amazing, cool, awesome guy who has autism. Hi, I am Megan Martins, and I am a faculty member in the um, Department of Special Ed at UNM. And I, uh, I am a psychologist and a behavior analyst. Um, and my sort of professional interests are mostly around um, the intersection of these two things, about the intersection of uh, sort of the treatment of um, ASD and um, sort of family issues that um, uh, surround that. Um, I also have a, a sibling myself, um, a younger brother, who, um, while he does not have um, a diagnosis of autism, has some um, different developmental and mental health needs. Um, so some of these issues are also a little personal to me. Hi, my name is Mariah Montoya. I also work at the Center for Development and Disability uh, as a recreational services coordinator. Right now, I spend most of my time doing uh, work with Autism Plus, which is a program that goes out into the community and provides training uh, surrounding autism. I also have a younger brother with autism, and uh, we were very close. And then, hi, I'm Marissa Swalby. I am a occupational therapy graduate student at the University of New Mexico. I'm currently finishing up my um, last um, clinical to graduate in December. Um, and I also, following suit, have a younger brother with autism. Thank you, everyone. 
Thank you again for being with me here today. I really appreciate the feedback and the discussion that we are about to share. So let's begin. Um, the first individual that reached out to me indicated, <clears throat> my brother has autism and I'm asked to take care of him so much more now. I feel it is taking away from what I like to do. Would anyone like to begin the discussion with this particular statement? I can go. Um, so I definitely understand what that's like because when I was younger, I used to really like having friends over all the time. Um, but my brother didn't really like the change in kind of his environment of having extra people in the house. So I had to um, really like kind of like figure out like, is there like a specific time I could have friends over or like make kind of like a plan to know that I can still get the fun things that I want to do. Um, but also being like respectful to what he wanted, but then it was a bummer because I wanted to have my friends over. So I feel like that was a real challenge for me when I was younger. That's awesome. Thank you, Marissa. Does anybody else want to chime in? I, I mean, I, I relate to this entirely. <laughs> when I was, when I was younger, especially, um, which I guess is a good sign that we, I keep hearing, like, when I was younger, I hope that means that scheduling an organization tends to come easier with age. But um, I, oh, <laughs> I had um, like major third parent issues and there's a lot of things that kind of came with that. But um, in terms of it feeling like it's taking away from the things that you like to do, I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to help my parents uh, especially when it came to like going out in public and we need to, we need to run some errands, we need to do some things. And, you know, I, I guess I, I just, I really relate to this one. It's, it's hard when you're trying to, you know, help your parents come up with like a game plan or maybe try to help your sibling when they're out and about. Um, because it does, it, it, I mean, it really is a, a huge factor in how you're going to spend your day. And trying to wrap your head around that sometimes is, can be really difficult. Thank you so much for sharing, Mariah. I think this is um, uh, something that is a very um, sort of common thing that for anybody who is a sibling um, uh, does experience. Um, and it's one of the more um, common things that's been sort of discussed in the sort of family literature about uh, autism as well. Um, that there are periods of time in which um, the sort of family system shifts in a, in a way to be um, um, more centered around the individual um, who has autism and that can be hard for everybody else um, in the family. There, um, and the sort of mixed um, things, um, there's sort of mixed data on how that sort of um, plays out over time. Um, and there's some good things that come out of it as well. We know that um, siblings um, later on in life tend to be people who are very sort of caring um, and compassionate 
Um, they tend to be um, very, they tend to go into careers, um, such as the group um, here, who, um, that are in helping professions and tend to be very sort of um, um, attuned to other needs in the community um, as well. Um, and so there's some true benefits in, in some of those, like and there's a learning opportunity in some ways, but um, it, it is important to make sure that the balance doesn't go too far. Um, and that in, that in general, that there's communication about those things within family members, um, so that some of those ways can be problem solved. How to have, um, um, how to still meet a need of a, of a play date um, and having friends over um, when, and, and figuring out some of those solutions. Um, and by opening up those discussions a lot, I think is important um, during uh, childhood and acknowledging those things. Wow, thank you, Dr. Martins. Um, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, please. Um, just the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, it's a very serious need that does have to be met. And I think it's a need that siblings tend to drop a lot. Um, this, you know, idea of self-care and taking time for yourself. Um, and I, I just don't want to leave this question without, you know, advising to like have a very serious conversation with who, whoever else is a caretaker. And I, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's not one of those things you can wrap up and say like, here you go, here's what you do. But, you know, everything, everything does start from a conversation and letting someone know, like, I'm getting overwhelmed. I need some time. And then maybe from that point on starting like a plan, like, you know what, I'm going to be unavailable from this hour to this hour. And maybe just, maybe it's a small time, maybe it's a large time some days, but kind of setting that expectation um, might be a good way to kind of at least feel a little bit more control left and say, just, just that little block of time that's kind of yours to do with what you will. Absolutely. For sure, especially now in COVID, I know that a lot of us have really recognized that we need to take those moments to take care of ourselves. If we don't take care of ourselves, we can't do much of anything else. I, I also think that it's, it's really nice, Mariah, how you said that. I, I really like that, that, that you have to have that open communication with whoever you're with your family members, whoever it is, to really kind of express your needs, and and just as our kids need routines, maybe maybe kind of that routine and sticking to that routine, you 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 can help us between this and this, and then you get another time. Maybe I really like how you said that. There's some um, there's a little bit of um, data. I'm sorry, you went some data, but that um, that it's true that parents. Um, sort of caretakers in general um, are aware of a lot of the needs of their siblings but have hard time prioritizing them um, with a lot of the other things. Um, there's um, there was a, a study about um, family resource um, and other kinds of use um, and that, uh, that that parents were very very interested um, in general in it, but had a hard time accessing it because of some of the other um, things uh, that are just going on for families. 
Um, so I do think it is important. I think it's very important we're having this discussion at all because um, just having, I think the discussion and raising the, um, raising some of the questions will hopefully help in some, in some ways. Absolutely. All right, um, we'll go ahead and go on to the next statement that was shared with us. Sometimes when I'm doing online school, it is hard because my brother who has autism is not cooperating. I get embarrassed. So I feel like I've never experienced um, like online school at home, obviously during COVID um, and having my sibling embarrass me through the camera. But I feel like this is really relatable, like, uh, like just in general, because there would be times where, um, like, my brother would be like yelling at a store, and then we'd have to like drag him out of the store, and then like people are just like looking at you, and so I think it's super hard, and I think that um, there's not like a good answer about like how to like handle that. Um, maybe you can try like a different room. Or, I don't know, maybe really try to utilize that mute button. Um, but I think that it's super relatable as a sibling. And in general, as like siblings, I feel like they're always embarrassing you, but then it's a little extra um, whenever you have a sibling with autism sometimes, which can be really tricky. Um, but I'm very proud of this person for <laughs> sticking with their online school and kind of handling that challenge because I can imagine it'd be super hard and I'm not sure how I would be able to handle that um, when I was younger, you know? Absolutely. Thanks, Marissa. I think this is another one that kind of makes me, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming that, you know, conversations around this topic have already happened, but if they haven't, um, that would definitely be a place to start. And then I'm, you know, every classroom is different. Um, so I'm not sure how relevant this, this advice might be, and it might not be at all, but, um, I would, I would maybe, you know, have a conversation with, my brother and parents and ask if it would be okay if I explained to the class maybe the scenario and kind of used it a little bit as maybe a learning opportunity for some of the classmates like hey some some people have a hard time understanding environmental cues and my brother struggles a little bit with that um, so this is kind of what's going on um, it's a part of life for me. So here we go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to think, you know, the m micro macro approaches about, you know, sometimes, sometimes solutions are a little bit more about, you know, your environment and telling other people and maybe giving them a little bit more, um, information and knowledge about, sh about the circumstances rather than, you know, addressing, the brother who, you know, like I said, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but I'm assuming, you know, we've already talked to the brother and said, hey, you know, 
this is my class time. I really can't have you doing this. Um, and if that's something that he's struggling with, then, you know, it might be helpful to point in the different direction and say, hey guys, here's what's going on. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, in my experience, that's usually pretty positively received. Um, so I, I, I would definitely hope that, you know, the classrooms that she's in or he's in, they're in, um, would be a little bit more open to that, I hope. That's fantastic. I, I, you know, I love listening to all of you because you're giving me knowledge as well. I would have never even, that is so simple um, to educate the people that, that are also being affected by the interruptions. Um, and I think that people will be more understanding. I mean, I know I would be. So thank you, Mariah. That was really, that was really awesome. Does anybody else want to chime in or should we go to the next one? Okay. So the next item is sometimes I feel stressed. My brother needs extra time and there are very few things I can do outside the house because of COVID. I watch movies with my mom after my brother goes to bed, but I don't know how to get time for myself during the day. Well, I feel like this is an automatic plug-in for um, mindfulness, <laughs> which I, I mean, I, I feel like every time someone mentions that, I think it's, a natural response to kind of go like really you know you, you like you think a little bit of you know meditation or um time alone like that is gonna be too helpful but i mean there are actual like studies that prove that all of that stuff is actually very very good for your brain and for therefore your entire body afterwards but there's this has been a, a struggle of, of mine and particularly lately with COVID because I, I tend to be a very um, out of the house kind of person. Um, if I feel like, uh, like living in New Mexico is, is very lucky in a sense because we get to go outside and you don't travel for more than 20 minutes and you're somewhere where you're, pretty out there which is nice now that's that's hard to do because sometimes we are you know caretakers and you know in a situation where we can't just up and leave um but i think it's another one of those scenarios where a conversation needs to be had perhaps some some gentle boundaries and gentle in the sense that like i really do need my time here to hear i'm willing to you know, help from all of these other times, but I need at least a little bit of a block to go on a walk or to, you know, just kind of be outside. And maybe if that outside time isn't um, accessible, then, you know, to really do some research and some thinking about what mindfulness practices might be helpful to you. It doesn't always need to be, you know, sitting there uh, cross-legged, closed-eyed, you know, kind of doing that inward thinking, sometimes it, it 
met mindfulness comes in a bunch of different ways. Art is another huge one. Um, yeah, stop rambling. <laughs> Thank you, Mariah. Thank you for that reminder. I think um, that um, COVID has pr has presented this as a problem for for lots of families, and um, for each of the sort of the stressors that it might be easier to sometimes get a break from, right? Or it's just not. Um, uh, as easy to do right now. We, um, like for example, my family and I have been together so much since March. Um, and although, you know, we all have had to find um, some ways to, um, to get out. And the thing that's been the most helpful for us is just sort of a discussion. We are a family of, um, uh, of mostly introverted people who really um, all value time alone. And we have been together a lot. Um, which ha is challenging because that um, sort of our own projects and our own um, time and our own activities um, are something that uh, has always fed us a lot um, and not having that, um, that access. And this time that is so, um, that is so exacerbated with what everything is going on. And I would agree with Mariah that having the discussions around it and um, that being, um, opening those things just in, invites possibility, uh, the possibility to find um, solutions and can have, um, I also think connecting with other people um, about it, if there's ways, um, because these, some of these things are, um, that we're all talking about are very, uh, are things that other siblings um, go through. And I think connecting sometimes if there's a way to find a, um, a resource or another sibling or someone in, it doesn't even have to be another sibling, someone else who's having some of those same um, experiences and connecting about it can be very um, um, helpful in terms of um, just getting that sort of validation that those, that the experiences that we're all going through right now are really truly very, very hard. Um, and that, that, having that validation plus opening the discussion can sometimes lead to um, some improvement. Um, and I wanted to just add to that, as Megan was saying earlier, um, parents sometimes have a hard time figuring out how to like support their siblings um, and like giving them that time. So I think really, as they were saying, like opening up that communication and kind of telling the parents like, I'm not getting what I need and I need like an hour of like me time um, would be really beneficial because they might like realize it's something you need but not know how to like support you in that and opening up that discussion um, could be really beneficial. Thank you so much, Marissa. Thank you all. Um, we're gonna go ahead and go to the next statement. My daughter has autism and her younger brother does not. During her ABA therapy time, which is via Zoom, is when our big problems begin. Whenever I am taking any time to help his sister, he gets very jealous. I make special time for just the two of us throughout the day. However, because of the telehealth services for my daughter, he begins to become mean to his sister. His behavior is only when she has the online sessions. I don't want to lose her services because of his behavior. 
Any advice here would be greatly appreciated. I am at a loss of what to do. Something that comes I up. I wonder if something that comes up for me in this question is is just like what was it like as a sibling when your your brother your 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 sibling with ASD was receiving therapies or receiving different things and and you felt like you were missing out. I think that that's something that came up for me in this. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was going to draw like draw from. So I think that whenever your sibling has something like that looks special that they get to do, you kind of feel left out. And so when my brother used to go to therapy like occupational therapy or something and he would go in a gym and like jump on the trampoline and I had to sit in the waiting room, it kind of felt like why was I getting punished and I can't have fun when he's like freaking out and he gets to go have fun. So I think maybe if you like um, try to give uh, the little brother maybe something that he can do also during that session to make it feel like it's a special time for him and the sibling that's doing the telehealth ABA, um, maybe that would help out a little bit um, just to kind of keep him entertained, but also make it feel like not all of your attention is on the ABA telehealth, but also like he has something special during that time too. So it made me feel a little better. Thanks, Marissa. There's also um, um, uh, some potential to, um, and this would be something that you you might want to talk to an ABA provider about, um, is that it that because of um, sort of this pattern, it might be useful to include the sibling in some ways into the sessions. Um, if they're interested um, in that, um, you, you never want to do that if that's not something the sibling really shows um, some interest in. But there's a lot of ways to use um, siblings for, because right now when you're doing ABA therapy through um, a telehealth mean, you don't necessarily have another peer or another individual. And there could be some um, ways to, to facilitate and have some part of the sibling um, participate. And they may, um, if, if they're interested, and, and also receive some of the fun things, the fun attention, um, right? Like all of the, one, all of the affect, um, the earning of the reinforcement, and some of those things that if they could be, um, and also be incorporated um, into the ABA, that works for some children. Other children are not interested in that. Um, and I think figuring out um, then, also, um, um, some of the things that Marissa was suggesting, um, special things or special activities, I think can be very helpful. Um, and this may or may not be the, the case for um, um, in this situation too, but I think it's very important to have um, developmentally appropriate conversations about autism, um, starting very fairly young with children. Um, because it's very hard to understand um, why uh, there's all this attention um, despite sort of problem, um, you know, sort of problem back behavior and things. Um, 
But it, one of the things that we do know is that information and given, um, given somewhat regularly and, um, and not just once, developmentally um, changing, developmentally over time about autism um, can, and what the therapy is and what it's doing, those things can be somewhat um, helpful too. Um, so I would, um, and that's something that a, um, someone in, like, in a family um, um, resource capacity or an ABA provider may also be able to help um, um, someone figure out what is developmentally appropriate to tell a three-year-old versus a um, six-year-old versus a nine-year-old and on, on up. Um, Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Martins. Anybody else want to chime in? Well, like I was, I was absolutely like, yes, exactly all of that. Um, I really, really big on, you know, communicating everything, especially to the SIB, because I definitely remember when my brother was um, at that time going to therapies and I it was one of the biggest bonding times I got to have with my parents because my brother was occupied with something else and someone else was there with him. And my dad would, um, we would go to these therapies at UNMH and he would take me around the campus and we would go to this special vending machine that was really far. So it was a very long walk and we would go get junior mints and come back. And I mean, it was something so, so very small, but it's something that I still remember to this day. It was very, it was huge to have that time. And what's probably confusing now as well, like additionally with everything else, but with COVID, all of these things are online now. And it's a little bit harder to make the separation of someone is coming in here and spending time with my sib versus my sib is sitting here staring at a screen and my mom is there with the screen as well and it's not making it's you know it's harder to cross over that you know this is a therapy as well this is something that needs to be focused on and instead it looks like well everyone is right there in front of me and not interacting with me and that's hard like they're right there. There's not, there's no one else that's here. Like we're not outside. Like the time is getting occupied differently. And so is the focus. And I think, you know, having that conversation and, you know, additionally, if, yeah, yeah, I, I can just see how it's really confusing. Um, the modality change. So, that's really hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think something that in, in, you know, in my, my career working with families, something that has always come up as a challenge is that screen time. And just, especially with little ones, and it seems like someone's playing with you on the screen and I, and, and our kids are so drawn to screens and, and figuring out what they do and how to, how to use them. And now, you know, therapies where it used to come in the house and maybe it didn't seem as as exciting when it was in the house, but now it's screen time. And, and so many, um, I don't know, just people in general are draw, drawn to screens. We all are, right? We do, but kids, 
little ones, they don't know how to how to monitor when is the appropriate screen time, when is it not, what why does she get to do this, and and it's just so tricky. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, at this time, I really want to take a moment to thank our brilliant panel for joining me today at Autism Office Hours. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today as we shared several creative ways to support our siblings during this climate. We invite you to check out our other webcasts on the Autism Programs Portal. If you are seeking autism-based resources and supports, please contact the Autism Family and Provider Resource Team at 505-272-1852. If you are on social media, please visit the Center for Development and Disability Facebook page. Be sure to like our page and follow us. We post links for accessing our webcasts and other trainings that we are offering throughout the year. Although we are working remotely, we are still here for you. This is Debbie Montana with Autism Office Hours, sending you wishes for good health and happiness. <laughs>